0: All right. Well, as many of you know, we finished up our miracles that we're looking at through the gospel records. And we started looking at a little bit different things, some subjects, if you will, topical preaching. But uh, different subjects as we're entering into uh, the holiday season. And we looked at this subject last Sunday from this portion of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And it is this, In everything give thanks, For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. And it's a great verse to memorize. And it's a great verse to quote to yourself. You know why? Because we need to be, as believers, thankful Christians. So let me ask you a question again. I asked it last Sunday several times, but I'll ask it one more time. Are you a thankful Christian? Are you a thankful believer? And it shouldn't just be during this time of year, a seasonal thing. It should be a daily thing. Because the Bible says again in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. So listen, thankfulness is not just seasonal. It should be daily. So are you a thankful Christian? Are you a thankful believer this morning? All right. we considered that subject last time from that portion of Scripture, and today I'd like to consider another practical subject, uh, and it's this subject. It's the subject of joy during the holiday season. And uh, what better book to consider on that subject of joy than the book of Philippians, all right? So go to Philippians this morning, Philippians. And but it's a great book on joy. You'll find in the book of Philippians some 17 times the word joy, rejoice, or rejoicing. And so I think Paul is trying to make an emphasis. Don't you? Uh, the Bible doesn't repeat itself just because it forgot what it said. No, it does so for emphasis. And I believe Paul is trying to get something across to Philippian believers that they desperately needed, and that was and that was joy. But before we read our text. And as we consider this subject this morning, I do understand that some people, and maybe even some folks in this room, some folks, some believers, uh, the subject of joy can be a very difficult thing. It can be a hard thing. It's hard for them to find joy, even during a joyful season like Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, for me, I love this holiday season. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas season. It's just naturally joyful to me. But some folks, listen, it can be hard to find happiness and joy during this time of of the year. It could be for a number of reasons. It could be because in the past you have suffered a tragedy during this time of year, which, by the way, I can completely understand. I know all too well what that means. For some folks, they find a hard time during this time of year to find joy because, well, there's differences between families or conflict between friends or whatever it may be. And I'd say most of us can empathize with that because, listen, at time from time to time we do have some conflicts between family, right? Anybody have a perfect family? Raise your hand. All righty. Anybody have perfect friends? Raise your hand. Okay. So we're all made of the same dirt. Is that what I'm getting? Okay. We're all made of the same fallen flesh and none of us are perfect. And so we have that from time to time. But for some, listen, it can be hard to find joy. Finding joy during the holiday times of the year can be a little difficult. And instead of finding joy during this time of year, they find themselves sad, angry, depressed, just flat out bitter. It can be a little bit difficult for some individuals. So this morning, I would like to try to encourage you with that, though. I would like to consider this title this morning, Finding Joy... During the holiday seasons, all right? And for this, we're gonna go to Philippians and Philippians chapter two specifically. Philippians chapter two. And uh, before we read this portion of scripture though, uh, I know you know this and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but Paul is not um, directing this joy here in, uh, in chapter two around the holiday seasons in particular, okay? But he's doing it more in a daily thing. Again, being thankful is daily. Finding joy should be daily too. So he's not just uh, doing, talking about joy during this time with, with the holiday seasons in mind, Thanksgiving, Christmas in mind. No, we, we, under, we understand that. But there's some great principles we can look at from Philippians, especially chapter 2. So we, we ourselves can find, even if those that are hard to find, we ourselves can find joy during this time of year once again. All right? So let's look at it together. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse number 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. You may want to highlight that phrase, circle it, do something. We'll come back to it in just a minute. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that we can find joy and have joy. Even in times that are not so joyful or it seems like anyway, we can still have it. Because ultimately our joy is not found in circumstances or our surroundings, but it's found in Christ. And because you change not, we can always have joy. Lord, I pray if there's one here that's struggling with that, They will settle it today, and they will find their joy once again in the Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse number two. Go back to that phrase I told you to highlight. Look at verse number two again. It says this, Paul speaking, Fulfill ye my joy. Now, when Paul was speaking here to the Philippian believers, and he was saying, Fulfill ye my joy, was he saying that he was not joyful? Was he saying that he was not happy? Was he saying he was empty of joy and needed a complete refill? Is that what he was saying here? I don't think so. I don't believe that's what he's saying at all. Listen, if there was ever a man who had joy in his life, no matter the circumstances of life, I believe that man would be the Apostle Paul himself. I believe this man, if you were around him, was just full of joy. I really believe that, especially as you read Scripture and especially if you read the book of Philippians. I believe this man was full of joy, but he didn't find his joy in the stuff he had. I don't think he was a very uh, well to do man. He, he knew how to behave himself when he had stuff, and when he didn't have stuff, he was content in all things. What sort of state he was in, he was content, right? But I don't think he was consistently uh, had things or well-to-do means. Uh, he, was not always, he was not always having the right things going, going correctly in his life either. Everything wasn't always going right in his life. He actually endured much difficulty, uh, strain, pressure, and pain. He never had a consistent pillow to put his head upon. Uh, but he did, have a, he did have a consistent prison to go to, you know, <laughs> if you read the book of Acts. But uh, this man endured a lot in his life. But I believe he was a joyful man. Why? Not in the stuff that he had, but rather in the Savior that he knew. That's why. I believe it was all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man understood and found true joy. It was on that day when he had an encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus that one day. And at that moment of salvation, it changed his life forever. Gave him purpose, gave him meaning. And he embarked on a new journey to live and serve the Lord the rest of his life. And when he found Christ and served Him, he found joy unspeakable and full of glory. But he found it where? All in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but just understand, from the very get-go, when we talk about joy, it's not in stuff. It's not in things. It's not in favorable circumstances, but rather it's in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our source of true joy. So Paul, he had a lot of joy in his life, I believe, and it was because of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he says here in verse number two of chapter two, when he says, fulfill ye my joy, here's what he's saying. Hey, hey, Philippians, hey, believers, listen, I need you to top off my joy. I need you to top it off. I've got a few more drops that's uh, available to fill that cup that runneth over. I need you to fulfill my, my joy. He's asking him to top off his joy. Now, when you would uh, hear the phrase, fulfill my joy, or just top this off, would that, be, uh, would that presuppose that some, maybe that some of that joy has uh, dissipated a little bit, maybe depleted a little bit? Would that suggest that some of that joy of some was, was gone? I mean, he has most of it, of course, but he could use a little more. Could that be the case? Would that presuppose a little bit there that that could be the case? Well, it could be. But what was it that um, dissipated his joy a little? What, what kind of took that, some of that joy away? Well, look at verse number two again. Fulfill ye my joy that, here it is, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So what depleted his joy a little bit? It could be in this moment that these believers, this is what could have done it. These believers were not of one mind. They were fussing. They were having a squabble, if you will. And the devil's trying to divide them. And Paul knew this. Because understand, this is not the first time that Paul has addressed it. This is actually the second time in six verses that Paul has spoken to the Philippians about being of one mind. And of one accord and of one spirit. And again, be reminded, I said it earlier, but when the Bible repeats itself, it's not because God forgot what he said, but he doesn't want us to forget what he said. And he repeats himself for emphasis. And so he's emphasizing here so we don't forget. So it seems that evidently, this church at this moment, they were having some quarrels and some division, at least the seeds of division were being planted here. And these seeds of division, this um, uh, quarrel they were having, um, uh, difficulties or differences that they were having, it could have been because of the persecution that was historically taking place on the church at this, at this time. That's the context of this letter historically. And be reminded, it was Paul. Where was Paul at this moment when he was pinning the very words of Philippians? Anybody, anybody remember? It starts with a P, ends with a risen. Prison, good job. Uh, that's where he was, all right? Penning these words. And so there's persecution on the rise against the church and against the believers. And anytime time there's outside pressure... Outside difficulties, outside hardships, this can transition to internal, at least has the potential to transition to internal confusion. And when there's confusions, there can be, listen, there can be strife. And when there is strife, there can be division. So maybe it could have been the pressure of persecution that was what was uh, the deal here. That was the seed of division. That was the debates going on in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Or it could have been also the false teachers that Paul was addressing in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Just understand there was a lot of attacks coming against them. Internally and externally. But regardless of what it was, there was some seeds of division going on among the brethren, among the church, among the body of believers. And when that happens, joy can be depleted. It can start to diminish and it can be surrendered. But the question is this morning is how do we get it back? How can we have joy even in those times? And there in a season that can be difficult for some to have joy. How can we have it? How can I get joy back, Pastor? I'm glad you asked because I believe Paul kind of addresses this issue as he's talking to this church here in Philippi and to these dear believers. So number one. How can we get joy back? Number one, do this. Number one, stop striving. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop striving. Look again at verse number two. Fulfill you my joy that you be like minded, having the same love, uh, having the same love, being, there it is, being of one accord, of one mind. Here it is, verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Stop striving. Here when it says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, he's also talking about vainglory here. And what is vainglory? Well, this is the only time you'll find this word in your Bible, but it means an empty opinion of one's self. What is that? An empty opinion of oneself. Well, one little word, and I'm going to tell it to you, and you're going to know exactly what vainglory is. You ready? Here it is. Pride. Ooh. It's pride. Now, pride is a bad thing. Would you agree? Yes or no? Yes. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page. But is all pride bad? Is it wrong to be proud when, uh, you know, your kid hits a home run, scores a touchdown, makes the team... Makes good grades. Uh, keep it above sea level. You won't drown. All right. <laughs> that's probably terrible advice. I am not your parent. there's any kids in here that says, Pastor said I can make C's and be fine. I am not your parent. All right. <laughs> Please don't think that. <laughs> what you learn at church today? Pastor said I can make C's, mama. Oh, no. Anyway, don't do that. But is, it, is it wrong to be proud of your kid or a grandkid when they do well? No, that's, that's a different kind of pride. That's not what the bad pride is. All pride is not wrong. Being proud of your kids or others for doing something good is a good thing. But because, besides, that kind of pride is directed towards and for someone else. And that kind of pride is good. But the type of pride that is destructive and wrong is the type of pride you spell with a capital I. That's the destructive type of pride. Pride, that's the vainglory we're talking about. What's the definition of pride? It is this an unreasonable conceit or arrogance of one own superiority, whether in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. That's what bad pride is. In other words, in other words, it's thinking too highly of yourself. Vain, glory, empty, pride, thinking that you're something when you're actually nothing. So pride is this, when it's all about you. And when you can spell pride this way, P R capital I D E. Because when you spell pride that way, when it's all about you, that leaves no room for anyone else. And it leaves no room for Jesus. Because it's all about you. And the church at this moment, it seems that some like that. They're striving. Some will have vainglory. And when there's strife, you'll always find this. You'll find pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 13:10, only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. In Proverbs 28:25, he that is a proud heart stirreth up strife. And that's what's going on here. Strife, selfishness, pride, vainglory. And I want you to know that, listen, pride is a very silent and deadly and dangerous Sin. You know, if you look to um, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you ask, you ask people, why, would, why were they destroyed? Some will give you different, um, different reasons or answers. Some will say because of the gross immorality that was in that city. Well, that was there, yes. But Jeremiah tells us why. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. He says because of their pride. They would not repent. Pride, understand, is a very silent and deadly and dangerous sin. And if we were to put a list of sins on, on our paper, right in front of you, if we listed it up, a uh, list of uh, sins from bad to worse on the projector this morning, what would you put up there? No doubt some would put up there murder, that's bad. Adultery, that's bad. Uh, immorality, that's bad, right? We would start listing sins. But let me ask you, where would you put the sin of pride? Where would you put it? From bad to worse. Maybe you put it, you know, it's pretty bad, but it's not murder, and it's not this. Let's put it, eh, let's do this. Let's put it in the middle. Let's put it in the middle there. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Let's put it in the middle. Can I remind you where God puts it? You see, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you read that passage for yourself, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says this. This know also that in last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times. Now, as you take a look around us today in the world in which we live, you'll probably agree that uh, there are some perilous times, all right? certainly seems that way with war and crime and immorality and corruption on every hand, blatant sin in your face, and that they're not blushing whatsoever, and it surrounds us on every hand. You would think, surely, we're in perilous times because of all of those. But how did God, uh, how did He say we would recognize perilous times? What was the first thing he said, how we'd recognize it? Well, if you read verse number 2 of Second Timothy chapter 3, he says this. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. When God points to the sign of the last days and perilous times, it does not point first to gross immorality or drug abuse or crime or wicked thoughts or wicked behavior. You can put on a list there. When God, listen, when he points to the sign of the last days and perilous times, he goes straight to the heart with a dagger of conviction and points out this. It's all about me, myself, and I. And that this person, or the the creature does this. The creature loves himself more than a creator who is blessed forever. Amen. He points to himself. This is how we know we're in perilous times. Why? Because pride is at the top. But Paul, he had an answer for that pride. He says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. He said, stop it. Stop it. Paul is saying, listen, please stop this. And it's not a request, by the way, as he requested in chapter one, verse 27, when he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. That was more of a request that he wants them to do. Here he is demanding the church, stop it, stop it now. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, stop it. Stop it. Who here, let me ask you a question. Who here, you, you have siblings. You are a sibling. You have brothers and sisters. Let me see your hand. All right, very good. <clears throat> now, I know you guys are not carnal and, and terrible and wicked like me, all right? And I know you never had a fuss or a fight with your sibling ever. I know. You're good Christian people. I know. It. I know. It. You never got in a fight with them whatsoever. I know, I know you did but on that one chance that just out of the blue day you had, you were just a little off, you know. And you had that one little fuss with your sister or your brother, and you got in a fight with them. started out with screaming a little bit, and then it started with hair pulling and fists start flying. On that rare occasion, rare? <laughs> what'd your parents say? "Hey, cut that out. Knock it off!" Quit, quit your fighting! hey, sit down, be quiet, stop fussing, stop fighting, don't, m- oh, here's one, don't make me tell your daddy. <laughs> anybody, be honest, ladies, anybody, anybody say that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I heard, heard, heard that one a lot, all right. Because once I heard that phrase, don't let me tell your daddy, it's like, oh, no, okay, I know what's coming if I don't listen. <laughs> or how about this one? Anybody ever get chased with a wooden spoon? Don't make me get the spoon. Oh, I understand that too. But when you start fussing and fight and your parents tell you, knock it off, stop it, or you're going to be in trouble. You know why they do that? Yeah, I know why they did it. They did it because they hated me. No, that's not why. They did it because they know where that fuss and that fight and that strife is going to end, where it's going to lead. It leads to bleeding. <laughs> it leads to crying which was usually the youngest youngest always cries gets away with it even though he started it can I get a witness anyway any other older siblings with me on that one okay good but it usually leads to crying bleeding but here's what happens parents want you to knock it off because somebody's going to get hurt that's why somebody's about to get hurt And I think Paul here, he is looking at what's going on, the fussing, the fighting that's going on, the striving and the vainglory because of the vainglory going on. And he's saying, stop it right now before somebody gets hurt and the vision breaks out and it causes strain on the church and even the community around you. Stop it and stop it now. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 3, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Proverbs 17, 19, he that loveth transgression loveth. Strife. Listen. A life of strife is no life to live. Amen, preacher. Thank you. All right. A life of strife is no life to live. Say it with me. A life of strife is no life to live. One more time. A life of strife is no life to live. Stop it then. Stop. Stop striving. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. So you want some joy back this holiday season? Then stop striving and humble yourself. Don't let pride get in the way. Stop it. Stop it. All right, right. how else can we get some joy back this holiday season? Number one, stop striving. Number two, start serving. Start serving. Look at verse verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Simply put, serve one another. Serve one another. Now sometimes folks get the idea that if they're going to serve, and especially serve one another, then that means... As a servant, they're going to be used as a religious doormat for which these Christians can wipe their nasty feet upon. (laughs) Some folks get that idea. That's what service is, and they'll be taken advantage of. That's not what it means whatsoever. That's not what it means whatsoever. And that's not what Paul is even suggesting at all. Besides, when it comes to serving one another, as Paul is speaking of it here, when it comes to serving one another, we don't serve one another for one another's sake. You understand what I'm saying? We don't serve one another for one another's sake. Paul put it very plainly when he says the reason behind serving one another. 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse number five. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, amen. And ourselves, your servants, here it is, your servants, your servants, for Jesus' sake. We serve one another for Jesus' sake. We serve them for. Him. That's another phrase I want you to remember today. All right. So say it with me. We serve them for him. One more time. We serve them for him. Good. Don't forget it. We serve one another for Jesus' sake. Not for one another's sake. It's a difference. Remember, what was Paul's life even in this moment as he's writing? He, he let it be very plainly known in the very first chapter of Philippians. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ was his life. And so I want to encourage you today to get your eyes off of yourself, the vainglory part, and get your eyes onto the needs of others, esteeming others part. And you know what you begin to see? You begin to see some of that joy topping off. Some of that joy coming back. He will. You will. The Bible says this. In Psalm 133, verse number one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Because when you serve one another, that's what begins to happen. Unity and there's joy there. How pleasant, how pleasant. How good, how pleasant. There's joy there. Serving one another. So. This morning, you're looking for some more joy this holiday season. Number one, stop striving. Number two, start serving. Pretty simple, isn't it? And yet, many times, we find it hard to do. So this morning, if you find it hard to stop striving, you find it hard to start serving, then lastly and quickly, I want you to do this. Number three, see the Savior. Brother Philip, I'm having a hard time stopping the strife. Okay. I'm having a hard time to start serving. Okay. Tell me something I need to do to fix it. Alright. You, my friend, just need a good old glimpse of Jesus. That's what you need. And Paul here gives us a great glimpse of the Lord. In this text, look at verse number 5 with me again. Let this mind... Be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Get the heart of God on the matter. Verse number six. Who being the form of God thought to not rob or be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, took upon him, took upon him the form of a servant and made, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When it comes to serving one another, it can be hard at times. I get that. But understand, we also can be very unloving at times. It can be hard to be served at times. We can be difficult. We can be, uh, here's a good Greek word for you, snooty. (laughs) We can. From time to time, we can. We can be full of ourselves. We can just be flat out mean. We're pretty bad sometimes. Even Spurgeon said this, If a man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him. For you're worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> Let that one sink in. Sometimes we can be hard to get along with. But you know what I'm thankful of? As I read this portion of scripture and think about this church, what they were going through. Especially as Paul says, Let this mind be in you, get God's heart on the matter. I'm thankful that I can take a good look at Jesus and see that he looked beyond my fault, beyond my snootiness, listen, beyond my sin, beyond the hell that I deserved, and he looked beyond who I was and said, I'll go. I'll go and be a sacrifice for him. I will go and be the savior for him. I will go and serve. And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, took upon himself the servant of a man was born in this world just like any person will be born and made in the likeness of man humbled himself became obedient unto death but not just any death the death as the Bible says the death of the cross but why? for this reason Hebrews 12 2 who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God here's why he did it all you ready? you ready? He did it all for you and for me. The Bible says in Romans 5, 7-9, through 9, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but perventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Christ took upon him the form of a servant so that you and I and anyone else could have salvation through him and him alone and through his blood. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of of sins. Colossians one twenty, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Mark ten forty five, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So if it seems this time of year, when it seems too hard to stop the strife because of a past difficulty or a past hurt. And you guys root of bitterness in your heart. Can I tell you to do this quickly before it gets any worse? Look to Jesus. See him upon the cross. Bleeding, dying for you. Get a fresh glimpse of Calvary. I promise you to help you. Because understand, that nasty weed of pride, of selfishness, of bitterness, of vainglory, that nasty weed, those nasty weeds, it cannot grow very well in the shadow of the cross. So get a fresh glimpse of Jesus. That's what Paul's trying to do here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Get the heart of God on the matter. And once you do, you'll say, yes, Lord, you're right. I will stop my striving. I will humble myself. Yes, Lord, you're right. I will stop, start serving just as you came to serve, just as you came to minister. Not be ministered unto, but to minister and give your life a ransom for many. Folks, we have to, plain speech here, all right? Don't get mad at me. We got to get over ourselves. Get over ourselves. And start serving the Lord together. Stop striving together and start serving together. We have to. Because once you do, you'll find that joy again. And you'll, you'll find a little pep in your step and you're like, man, where's this been? Well, it's, it's always been available. You know? Start serving again. Stop striving. Start serving. If that's so hard for you, then see the Lord. Take a good glimpse of Jesus again. See the Lord. So what is it this morning? What is it? Are you having a hard time? Hard time stopping the strife? If you're having a hard time serving one another, please just take a good look at the Lord. Let him help you on the matter because he will.